0: This episode is brought to you by Summer School Electronics. With pedals like the Snow Day Delay, the Pep Rally Fuzz, the Trash Panda, and my personal favorite, the Science Fair, which is two classic dirt pedals in one, with a mid-boosted overdrive on one side, a black lab rat circuit on the other, and a blend knob to blend between them to find the perfect classic stacked dirt sound you're looking for, it's hard not to find something you'll love. Mark builds all of his pedals by hand in Syracuse, New York, where he also works as a full-time educator. In addition to the super fun graphics on their pedals, Mark also offers custom artwork. Want your dog's face on a pedal? He can do it. Want your face on a pedal? He can make that happen too. Go over to SummerschoolElectronics.com and make sure to tell them that 40 Watt Podcast sent you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, 40 Watt Podcast. Here we are, episode 41. So, took a little bit of a break last week. I really appreciate all the folks that reached out and messaged me and, uh, you know, uh, it, words of support and encouragement and said, you know, take care of yourself and all those things. And I did. I took some time to uh, sort of relax, sort of to not, you know, it's stressful time for me in my day job. Uh, we're at the end of, uh this is going to be super boring and super nerdy. We're at the end of our fiscal year and I have to wrap up all of fiscal year 2021's paperwork and financials and documents and i have to get ready to start fiscal year 2022 and budget requests and balancing and board meetings and it's so boring it's the stuff that nobody understands goes on behind the scenes with libraries and how difficult it can be you know finding an auditor how boring (laughs) um so i got all that wrapped up sort of still in the midst of some of it but stress levels way down super excited to be back and uh, podcasting, and uh, getting back to y'all talking guitar. I've been playing a little guitar today. Actually, it's been really, really good. Um, any day I can spend you know, a half hour, hour, hour and a half with a guitar in my hands is a is a good day. So want to take a moment. We're going to talk here at the top. I'm going to tell you about all the things you need to do. Um, this is the call to action portion of the podcast, as it were, if you want to get into the marketing terminology of it. Um, what you need to do, I don't know where you're listening to this, If you're listening, if you're watching, I know where you are. You're on YouTube. So go down, click the bell icon, click the subscribe button, click the thumbs up button, leave a comment. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you don't think. Comments, criticisms, critiques, questions. uh, I don't know. Leave your favorite uh, recipe. I don't, I don't, you know, I'll read it. I'll give it a shot. I'll cook it. I'll tell you what you leave your favorite recipe and I'll record a video of me cooking it. Look at that. No sardines, please. Um, But if you are listening to this podcast, please do me a favor. Rate and review the podcast wherever it is you're listening. That helps other listeners find the podcast who might like it or who like similar things. They may not like the podcast, but that's great. They'll give it a shot. So if you really enjoy the show, there are two ways you can help support the show. One is free. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can tell people you know who are into gear and into guitar and into that kind of stuff, uh, hey, there's this podcast with this weird dude from Mississippi. He talks about guitars all the time. You can just go listen to him. Um, that's awesome. Now, if you want to spend a little of your hard-earned money and uh, help keep this show going, you can go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash 40 Podcast, where for as little as $3 a month, you can help keep this show going. Um, you'll get a little bit of swag. I'll mail you a little something. Uh, a, you know, some buttons, some stickers, some stuff like that, uh, a thank you card, those kinds of things. Um, For $5 a month, you get to support the show and you get extra content every week with my guests or sometimes it'll be just me. Sometimes it'll be – I still haven't done um, uh, favorite albums, some top ten lists, which may happen in some future episodes. We're going to talk about some top ten episodes uh, or albums all time, 90s, whatever. I love 90s. That's going to be hard. Um. <laughs> But you could go crazy, too, over there, over at Patreon. We got a $50 tier where you can, uh, $50 a month, you and I will sit down, we'll have Zoom guitar lessons, or bass lessons, or piano lessons, or music theory, or we'll just shoot the shit for an hour. You know, whatever you want to do. It's your money. I mean, so hope you go over there. Hope you want to support the show. 40WattPodcast.com. Uh, has all those links, all of our social media, so you can find us, follow us, join the group on Facebook, all those things. Uh, I'm a little rusty. Obviously, I haven't done this in a couple of weeks, so that took a little longer than I'm used to. But now, I'm going to introduce my guest, and we're going to get into a little conversation, because that's really what you came here for, not to listen to me rattle on for four mm-hmm. minutes. So, guest today is from Working Class Music, Jason Mays, hanging out. Hello. How are you doing, Jason? I'm hanging in there. I'm, I'm doing good. I cannot complain. Well, or as I like to say, as you know, you're in the South, uh, could complain, but it wouldn't do any good. Exactly. Exactly. S- yeah. So. I, I, I too am familiar <laughs> with that. <name. laughs> so, Jason, we actually met at Summer NAM. so in Nashville. We got to meet and hang out, um, hung out with all of the working class music folks, got to finally meet Tia there on the last day that we were there, uh, uh, Xander and uh Justin did I get the right Justin Just and Nelson and Nelson that's right ah man I, I knew yeah. there was another he was, he was in and out of there so oh, gotcha. he was like he was he was scooting around doing his thing um yeah I'm I'm still I'm I'm still upset at Justin because he found that uh that uh Fano before I did he, no. he better still be loving that guitar oh um, he is he oh is. good good like cause... we
1: were we were we were talking about that today actually um because uh, he was actually looking at this PRS Bela, and I was just like, I was like, Do you like it as much as the uh, Novo? And he was, or that Fano, and he was like, No,
0: yeah, <laughs> it, there's your answer. There's your answer. <laughs> was like, God, that Fano is such a great guitar. Oh, so we hung out at Carter Vintage Music, we hung out at, um, uh, Kevin Equitz's house for the for the barbecue there that he threw for a bunch of us hanging out. It was a good time. Really enjoyed getting to talk to you. It was nice to see some other Southerners. I was around too many uh, West Coasters there for a little while there. Uh, I was starting to think surfing was a real sport. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> sorry, Ryan, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So got really interested. You guys have a YouTube channel, Working Class Music. Um, Really appreciate y'all show because y'all are just very very, very real there's no like uh there's showmanship, but there's not like smoke and mirrors. It's like you guys are just yeah, very real yeah. about the gear you're working with so for the listeners that aren't familiar and maybe even some of those that are, tell me a little bit about you, how you got into music, playing guitar, and whatever possessed you to get in the world of youtube
1: oh, okay <laughs> um well, let's start with uh how I got into music um Uh, according to my mom, I came out of the womb playing music. Uh, I was, well, that's not true. (laughs) Uh, she was just like, you always like banging on stuff. And I remember when I was little, I had this mini drum kit, like when I was about three or four and that was my first true musical experience. Um, after that, I put a hole in that drum kit. So I never picked up drums again. (laughs) I thought that was it. I thought I broke it. So, um, then in high school, I was always, um, that kid. That uh, I would I would try to do more than everyone else, and so I took on a multitude of instruments. And I thought I could sing, but I could not. Um, <laughs> so I took choir, took on a multitude of instruments at the same time, and realized that probably wasn't the best idea. So, you know, as as it goes, it's just like you, yeah, jack of all trades, master of none. Sure. Um, so I learned pretty much. In high school and college, so that I didn't want to do marching band. Um, Smart move. Very, Smart move. Yeah. No offense, yeah.
0: marching band folks.
1: Yeah, I didn't want to do that. I, I realized that I was more interested in like creating my own thing and not really learning other people's stuff. So in college, um, I started a band with a bunch of friends. It was like it was it was um, it was a, it's a weird time. It was a cool time because it was my formative year. So. It was just getting into songwriting, uh, per se. And that band was called the November Story. We were a three piece, uh, myself on guitar, my other friend JP on guitar, and my friend Matt on vocals. And uh, we, you know, we were just local around Tallahassee. You know, we thought we were good, and I think we were like some of the songs were pretty cool for back then. Um, and it was cool. So after that, uh, you know. Playing in the local music scene, I got to meet some other friends from out of town, and I want to say around this time, like, um, this is where the multitude of instruments come back into play. Uh, one of my friends, he joined this band in Pensacola. Um, to give some of you some uh, some knowledge, that's two hundred miles. Like, so me being me at the time, I was just like, well, you know, you know, they're cool. I want to join them. Like. And they were going through this whole rebranding and everything else, like um. So I quit school to join this band because I was like, they're they're going to be touring and I and I believe that they were going to be huge, and we were called Ciravel or Ceravel Um, we were like this post hardcore, chiodos, uh, a day to remember, Oceana, Rise Core music, and um. You know, it, it was cool like for the time and it taught me a lot. Um, admittedly I wasn't the best keyboardist, um, <laughs> but I was always just like, Hey, I wanna make cool sounds and kind of get into soundscaping. And you know, from there I met um some of my friends in this band called Of Machines, and they were signed to Rise Records and we became really good friends and uh before they broke up, they had asked me to join and be on keys um which i don't know why
0: i don't know why
1: <laughs> um um but so that happened and then after that um there was just you know in terms of music i started working for other bands um i worked for like mayday parade and go radio and you know those type of war tour bands and sure um yeah, and I got, and I still got to see a bit of the world that way. Um, and then after that, I came back home to Tallahassee. Um, and for there, for a little bit, I just started working music retail. Um, and then from there, uh, someone who I'd rather not say because <laughs> he's very problematic um, in more ways than one. Um, he was having issues and he got kicked out of both of his bands. I mean, I can't really get dance around it, but, sure. um, um, yeah, it was this, if, if listeners are familiar with dance, Gavin dance or Emma Rosa, it was Johnny Craig and, uh, he was starting this other band. And, um, at the time I was auditioning for a different band and he was in a lot of heat because of the whole, his whole MacBook scandal. So if you want to Google that, yeah. Love um, love
0: a good scandal. We like to cover scandals here on the 40 Watt podcast.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was, it was, uh, oh, yeah. So, um, he hit me back up after he had left rehab and, you know, the the knowledge of him being clean. Um, and, you know, he asked me, you know, he was starting this band or rather his management and his label were starting this band for him because he was still highly profitable, as I would say, um, despite. Um, despite his troubled past. Um, and, you know, he asked me to come and join, and originally I was going to be the third guitarist, because I was like, okay, that's cool, like, you know, that's what I kind of want to do, just be the guy, the ambience guy, like the Ed O'Brien or the James Eha, like, that's what I wanted to do, and and then uh, management was like, hey, we're not doing that, you, can, <laughs> you can't you can have three guitars, so, uh, so somebody's got to go, and so i was like all right well i'll play bass you know thinking that uh well i can play bass you know you know, i can sure. i can do this and um i didn't real one thing that didn't dawn on me was bass in a whole different like heavier genre is not as simple as people think it is so um long story short from that part uh moved out to california we were on tour doing promoting the first record and whatnot, and I quit mid tour slash got the boot. Um, uh, because, quote unquote, I, on my end of the thing, um, I was not happy, it was, it was yeah. a very, very rough time. Um, and they were not happy with my performance as you know a bass player, and I was like, well, I'm kind of a guitarist, and you know, that's <laughs> what I do. Um, so you know. We we split ways and we were cool. Um, or at least I thought I was, <laughs> um, with some. Yeah. Um and it was funny because when I quit, um I quit in Atlanta and I just was like, you know what, I'm just gonna stay here. I'm just gonna stay in Atlanta. And like my friends, uh Mike and Spencer, they were they were in this band called Native Sons. And I was like, Yo, you know, I've always wanted to be in that band with them. Like I always wanted to write music with like Mike and Spencer. And so I just joined, and that was that. And you know, I've been here ever since. Um, the band has broken up, gone through another band, um, and we're currently on a different band. <laughs> but this, um, yeah, went from Native Sons, and then we had our own issues with that, and went to a band called Culture Cough, had our own issues on that, and now we're in this weird, weird. I wouldn't say weird, um, because as We've gotten older. i have just I kind of approach music as fun. I don't want to tour. I don't want to compete with other bands. Yeah. So I started this project uh, called Young Mountain with my friend Matt Mulkey um, as a way of uh, coping with the loss of my father and dealing with uh, a couple of mental health issues. And then now it's turned into a band. Like we, re- you know, we dropped a music video um, got a really cool publicist too. And, and, and now we're, I want to say we're serious. Um, cause we are serious. Cause after being in the music industry, um, I feel like there are certain ways you should go about releasing your music. And I've kind of taken the serious mentality with that. So, um, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's been pretty cool. Cause this with young mountain, it was the first time that I was, um, creatively in charge and um and a lot of my influences well more so on the demos than the final product were very obvious and like it was cool like it was you know it was it was something that was cool because my friends came in rearranged the songs and be blunt they made it a lot more marketable than than (laughs) i was i was like i want to be this will destroy you and i want to write you know very emotional like sad ambient music and and you know matt and Mike were just like, hey, you know, we're putting vocals on this, so we're gonna <laughs> change things. Um, and from there, it actually leads to the YouTube channel because, um, while doing this, um, you know, I met Tia and Tia and I. It's funny because as different as we are, we're pretty similar in that regard. So, and she and I had already always tossed around the idea of like doing a YouTube channel because one thing, you know that always bothered me more so which is funny because um i'm friends i'm friends with the people that i kind of aim to be like now sure. uh but one thing that always bothered me about the youtube community the gear community was the lack of diversity it was always like some white dude playing some blues riff on like a strumming big sky i'm right and here. I'm, like,
0: I'm right here jason no, I'm <laughs> Just no, but it was <laughs> always
1: like, you know, they would get these cool pedals and, and and the thing is, it's just like there's a, like, for me, I would look at it, and it was like, man, like I wish there was more representation and I wish there were more people on YouTube doing this that I could relate to. And, you know, and, and not even purely on a skin color thing, because like I remember falling in love with um Emily's Starcaster video and be like, she's cool. Right. I want to hang out with her. And then uh, there's Mike Adams. I remember him just talking about Jazz Masters and Star Trek, and I was like, "He's <laughs> cool. I want to be friends with him." And then Ryan, I was like, "Oh, he's playing a Squire Jazz Master. He likes to drip. I want to be friends with him." And you know, and then there's the other side of that, which I'm not going to say. Like they're very niche, and sure. so T and I just kept tossing around the idea, of like, "Hey, we should review gear. We should review gear because we both work at a music store." So we're both around gear all the time, and you know she is a phenomenal guitarist, way better than myself. And you know it's it was just one of those things of like, hey, we should do it. So I you know I tossed around the idea with Xander, and Xander tossed around the idea with Nelson, and it was just one of those things of uh, it was one of those things that just came together, and everybody gets along, and now we're like you know we you know we have our group chat and like the show is for, for us is just fun, but the main thing that we want to get out of it is to have a bit more representation, not only for people of color, but different genders, sexuality, whatever we want. We want them to feel included in the gear, uh, gear dialogue, because, you know, it's easy to just, you know, pull up a video, like pull up a video of something. And then it's just like, okay, cool. Um, for, for instance, I was, um, I'm trying to think of the pedal. Um, it was a reverb pedal. <laughs> of course it was a reverb <laughs> Of course um, it was a reverb pedal. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, it was I want to say it was the slow, like. Um, oh, yeah, just yeah. Just kind of seeing, like, either worship, the worship crowd, or, like, I remember some demo of, like, some guy doing blues licks, and I'm just like, dude, that's literally, like super ambient pedal like what are you doing <laughs> so it was just it was just one of those things of where we started it and we just wanted we just wanted to be included and we want other people to feel included uh, we went in with the mindset of well we started with the mindset of like let's just do affordable gear you know for the working class yeah. and uh we're going to get back around to that because uh, we've definitely veered off that a little bit um and just really just for people to feel included because the thing is, you know, we, and we want people to feel like they're in the room with us and like, you know, that's something we've tried to achieve and keep it very real in that sense. Like, you know, we are definitely very, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to sugarcoat anything. So, right. You know, what you see, what you see is definitely what you get. And um, our personalities Especially the dynamic between T and myself are is well captured. Like that, that's pretty much T and, like like that's that's pretty much our dynamic in real life. And like and you know it's been cool. It's been really cool. Like we've made a lot of friends doing this. Uh, we received a lot of support, which I was yeah. blown away by. Um, only because like I only because um, I've had good experiences with people and companies, and I've had bad experiences. And you know, I didn't go out. I didn't. I didn't want to do this for some egotistical, narcissistic reason. Like, oh, I want to be. I want to be the Black Rep Show. I want to be. <laughs> you know. You know. I want to be like guitar famous. Like you know. I. You know. I, it wasn't that. It was just like, hey, I want to have fun. I like talking about gear. Tia likes talking about gear. We're nerds, and let's just you know just have fun and like get people interested in, in gear and like get people interested in playing music and you know you know because we we i think that's yeah i think that's that sums it up and now it's just like you know through that i met you yeah i've met like i met emily I met ryan um haven't met mike in person but i i i hope to because he and i are going to have some very star trek centric conversations <laughs> um Star Trek and Jazz Masters—that's the way to my heart.
0: Um, well then,
1: and Popeyes,
0: but Oof. but um. But have but you tried yeah, that? So, but have you tried that Burger King chicken sandwich yet? No, no. Like I think
1: I think nope. the last time I ate Burger King was like. Yeah, it was that long ago. Look, <laughs> um, it I went. Was, it I was went a
0: while. I went to Omaha about two weeks before we were in Nashville for for Summer Jam and my wife and i were driving through a town super late at night we had not had dinner we were we were you know long road trip super hungry getting on each other's nerves we had to get some food soon Oh, and, you guys were getting hanged. and the, yeah the only thing we found was burger king i was like i oh, hate burger king i really do i don't it's not my thing but i saw they had this new spicy chicken sandwich and i was like you know what i've never had that on You know, the pictures, of course, look great because the pictures always look great at restaurants. Yeah, of course,
1: they look great. Um, yeah.
0: And I got it. And I'm going to tell you that that sandwich, it, it's the only thing I'll eat at Burger King. I it rivals. I, I think it and the Popeye's uh, spicy chicken sandwich are the best spicy chicken sandwiches at fast food restaurants. And it's a Whoa, very wow. close battle. It's very close. I'm
1: going to I'm gonna have to say that because. I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to try that now because yeah. I I think Popeyes has the best spicy chicken
0: sandwich. Agreed. Um, uh, it, it's close. Um, it depends on my day of the week. Like the Burger King one is crispier, and so if I want like a really crispy chicken sandwich, in fact, I haven't had dinner tonight, so that might be might be a thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. So sorry, I sidetracked that entire conversation. Oh, no, you're oh, fine. You're fine. Uh, I was
1: going to be like, oh, if we're going to talk about food, then oh, we got to get this this question out of the
0: way. In
1: and out or what a burger?
0: Oh, man. Okay. So here's the deal. Tell me the city in America where I get to have to, only, where I only have, where, sorry, let me, words are so hard. So show me the city in America where I can get both and I'll actually make a decision. But the thing is, usually, if there's Whataburger, there's no In-N-Out. If there's In-N-Out, yeah. there's no Whataburger. No. So I never have to worry about that decision because I will take both all day long.
1: We'll be right back.
0: This podcast is supported in part by String Joy Strings. I'm a snob. At least that's what people tell me. I'm never okay with good enough. And that's where String Joy Strings come in. They're better than good enough, they're the best. Stranger are making some of the finest strings available today right up the road from me in Nashville, Tennessee. They offer custom sets, balanced tension, coated strings, the works. If you need it, they can probably make it happen. You should be using StringJoy Strings, and if you're going to order from them, you really could help this podcast out by clicking the affiliate link down in the description or show notes below. You get amazing strings. I get a little bit of that back to help the show keep going. It's a win-win situation. Get your StringJoy Strings today.
1: an answer I, and you're the first person to answer like that yeah i would, usually everybody's like one or the other
0: yeah no it's i'll like, take either one the only the only place i think that you will run into an issue is in texas uh because there are in and outs in texas it's the only place you know east of like utah that you can get it um and so you will run into towns that have whataburger and in and out And so Texans that listen, and I know there are a few of you, um, y'all have got a tough choice. I wouldn't, I don't want to make it here in Mississippi that we get Whataburger and that's really about it. And there's not even that many of them. I think there's like three Whataburgers in the whole state. So yeah, there's two in Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. The one in Jackson, it's funny because it can also vary by restaurant. There's two in Jackson and, um, one of them I would not go to if it were the last food on Earth. Uh, mm. It's just the food. Both times I've eaten there, I give a restaurant at least two tries, and both times it was just not good. Um, it and, and I wasn't eating it weird off times either. It was like at lunchtime, so I was like, ah. But the other one, and I'm I'm not going to name them names. If you live in Jackson, you can go try them both, and you tell me you, you tell me if one stands out above the other. The other one, the food has always been on point, even at like ridiculous hours of the day. So mm-hmm. I See, will...
1: well, you're lucky though, because uh every time I ask that question I always have to tell people, Well, I live in Atlanta, so we don't have either. Uh <laughs> the nearest Yeah, the nearest Whataburger is Macon, Georgia. And I was talking with a customer at work the other day and I was like, you know, I've thought about just driving down to Macon. That's like an hour and a half to two hours drive. Oh my God. Just for Whataburger. Yeah,
0: that would be me for like, Jackson. Two hours is the nearest. Well is there one in Tuscaloosa? There might be one in Tuscaloosa. That's an hour and fifteen, so I don't. I don't know. I I do like Whataburger. I do love In and Out. I don't want to have to choose, so I'll just steer clear of the whole state of Texas, and I'll never have to worry about it. Um, oh, there you go. Because <laughs> I I think it's in Dallas. They definitely have both in Dallas. There's been a few more In and Outs that opened up, and the story. And if one of the listeners knows. Ah, uh, they can tell me if I'm diff- if I'm wrong, but I believe the reason Dallas got in and out is because the guy who owns In and Out, his daughter went to college in Dallas, and so she was there, and they started franchising there because she was there. Um, that's all I know. I may be wrong. Maybe I'm making this up, but I know that Dallas for a long time was the only place you could find In and Out that wasn't West Coast. So yeah. <laughs> um, but y'all got y'all got. I mean, y'all got a Waffle House per square mile over there in Atlanta.
1: <laughs> oh, we, do. we do,
0: we do, and, and that's the one thing. I,
1: hell, just the East Coast in general, like especially like with North Florida going onwards, there's, it's just Waffle House Central, and um, I do love me some Waffle House. I would take Waffle House over IHOP any day. Absolutely,
0: um, the, uh, IHOP is the breakfast equivalent of Applebee's, and I don't like either one of them really if I can avoid it. Yeah, they're plastic. See, food. Well, the. the The thing that's um,
1: funny about it is like because Tia took me to this uh, because she was picking me up from the airport and um, I was like, yeah, let's get some breakfast food. And I was thinking we're going to go to Waffle House. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I know the service is probably not going to be the best depending on which Waffle House you go to because there's there's a crazy equilibrium. Like if you're if your cook isn't outside smoking a cigarette looking (laughs) like he doesn't want to be there, then your food might not be good. Yeah, 100 percent. It's like, you know, it's a balancing scale of that. So but she took me to this um, place in in the city of Atlanta, I want to say it was called First Watch and it was the best breakfast food that I've had. Really? And um, yeah, I mean, it was pricey. It was definitely pricey, oh, but sure. I was like, this is worth it.
0: I, I and, love uh, good breakfast food. Um, Even like some of the chains, like uh, another broken egg is OK, but like give me big, bad breakfast like every day like that. It's mm. it's pricey. But it is outstanding. Um, and the sliding scale i totally relate. I tell people all this all the time, okay, because uh, I used to go to New Orleans a lot, never lived there, but I go went a lot and ate there a lot. Um, I mean, look at me, I like food. it's just it's a thing um, <laughs> for listeners you can go find us on YouTube. Um, but there's a direct correlation between how sketchy. A restaurant looks in New Orleans And how good the food is It's it's a yeah, it's a direct correlation If you are a little scared and intimidated To walk into a place You gotta go because the food's banging Because that's just the way yeah. it is
1: Yeah, no, I, I I would agree I mean, I think that's how it is here And I'm just like, alright, you know Like, I, I don't know Like, some of my favorite places I, I think some of my friends are like, man This looks sketch as hell uh-huh. And I'm just like, trust me, it's good just trust me. We uh, and like uh oh no
0: go ahead go ahead
1: oh no but it's uh it's funny because like there was a uh, one time Xander um he was going to check out this Les Paul which uh, man I should have taken a photo of that because he was he was about to buy it. I want to say it was a seventy something or maybe sixty no it was definitely seventies so it wasn't yeah. in the sixties yeah. or or maybe eighties but he was going and so we went to this uh other restaurant and we and we met up with our friends. Um we met up with Tia and Jade and we are like, oh, all right, we're gonna get some food, you know, we're gonna go, you know, Waffle House or whatever, but the Waffle or whatever it was moved. Oh no. And so we went to um this Thai restaurant, and I was like, I'm not the biggest Thai fan, but whatever. And then I realized I was like, Oh, I'm going with Xander. He he has expensive taste. So you know like, it's gonna be we good. We went to this super nice restaurant, and I was like, One if anyone like if anybody's seen us. That's how we usually dress all the time. Like we're very rarely like, you know, suit and tie, like we look like we look we didn't we looked out of place. <laughs> and the food was decent. The food yeah. was really decent. And it was, I was like, this broke my equation. Like this like this restaurant It was like, looks super nice and the food is pretty decent. The portions are a little bit a little small. A little smallish, Yeah, a little small. But I
0: was like, eh, yeah. There was um there was a time my wife and I were in New Orleans and it was It was late, and we were in a a section that I, of, uh, we were, I can't remember if we were in the North Quarter, if we were around Frenchman Street, anyway, uh, and we were about to look for something else, to look for something to eat, and we were looking at places on our phone, I was like, I don't know anything in this area, we're way outside, like my area of expertise of what I know, and we started to go somewhere, and a guy actually stopped us and said, are you going to such and such, I can't remember the name of it, he said, yeah, don't don't go there. You want to go to this place. And he started walking down the end of the street. Uh and started talking to him. And uh I'm I can't remember the name of the restaurant cuz my memory is trash, but I've got his business card around somewhere. And he was basically this guy was the front of house manager at one of New Orleans's New Orleans' most like it's the hardest restaurant to get a reservation in in New Orleans. And that's where he worked front of house and he was going, he was the front of house, like manager, like second in charge of the restaurant behind the chef. Um, And he was going down to this place and he said, no, you want the food in here, walked up to it. And I'm like, that's not a restaurant. He said, trust me. And so walking in. he said, go in, go all the way to the back. You're going to see a door in the back. They'll take your order back there. And I did. And we straight up walked into this gay bar in the quarter Uh, in either the north quarter or frenchman street walked all the way to you know no problems no problem walk through and it's literally like one of those old barn style doors that where the top half opens in and then the bottom half is still there you know the what i can't remember the proper Mm -hmm. word for the doors and the guy just looked at me said yeah what do you want i said do you have like a menu and he like pointed on the wall like it was in you know a laminated paper menu we ordered it. We sat there and ate, talked to some other folks, and i would be damned if that food wasn't so good. Just, it's like you do not know it's there if unless you know. If you know, you know, and yeah. it's like that's where the best food is. That's that's always so, where the best food is. That kind of that kind of reminds me of uh, summer Nam, like
1: because Emily she took us to Martin's only because mm. one it was right across the street from the hotel, right, and two I was like Martin's guitar barbecue, okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And um, the food was good. I love Martin's Barbecue, really good. Yeah, they've got really and the lines are long for a reason sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, no, the lines were long, and I was just like, um, I remember everybody ordering, everybody else was ordering
1: these plates, and they didn't think it was going to be a lot of food. And not me being me, like Emily, Emily was joking, like, oh, you just go ahead and get the big plate, go ahead. Like, I was like, all right, and I did, and I and I ate everything on (laughs) it. And I was like, and everybody's just like full, getting full off of their plates. And they're like, oh, man. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I'm just, I was like, no, I paid for this. This is going down. <laughs> so, I mean, but it's also weird that you, like, it's funny because um, if I was in that place with New Orleans with you, I probably would have felt a little sketch myself, but only for different reasons because it's like, are we in the 1950s and I got to go around back and now? <laughs> 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 so, So, it's
0: just
1: like, yeah, like, uh,
0: like yeah, no, I I get it. And, and that's, it's just one of those weird things, especially, you know, New Orleans is, it has, holds a special place in my heart and, and just that it's that kind of gritty. It's that kind of things are in back alleys, you know, like, like the main entrance for a super nice restaurant may be in an alley. That's just the way it works. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's such an old city streets were built for certain sizes because that's what existed then, you know, there's no, there's no four lane roads going through Maine, the heart of New Orleans. Um, Uh, thankfully. Yeah. Thankfully, thankfully. Um, and you got to be a special type of person to sit there and live through hurricane after hurricane after hurricane in New Orleans if I got any New Orleanian listeners I I love your city and i love the fact that you're willing to stay there um <laughs> cuz it's it's crazy um but we got completely sidetracked so you talked about that we were jazz masters star trek and food that's how we how we got here yeah. i can't believe i remember that um <laughs> jazz masters are an interesting we're gonna we're gonna circle around to guitar i know that some of y'all i know some of my listeners were like guys it's been like over half an hour y'all haven't even talked about guitars yet we're getting there (laughs) we're getting there there. get warmed up stop hollering at me um so jazz master thing Mm -hmm. i was so late to the jazz master game and like I I still, so I got one because I got it at a screaming deal from a pawn shop. I've got this 08 Classic Player and uh, got it home. It had a dead pickup. I had bought new pickups, which is fine because the pickups that came in the Classic Players aren't like true Jazzmaster pickups anyway. They're they're glorified P90s. Um, They are. And and by which I mean they're sort of P90s, but lose all the great things I love about P90s. They're just kind of bland. Um, yeah. so I changed those out, played it for, still had the plastic on the pickguard. guard. I bought this guitar in like 2018 and it's an 08 and still had the plastic on the pit guard, um, in a pawn shop. But after that, I was like, the moment I played the jazz master vibrato, I was like that's it. That's what I yep. want. <laughs> that's exactly what I want. Cause I'd been a Bigsby guy. I still have several guitars with Bigsby's, uh a strat is fine as long as it's set up properly, uh and by properly. I don't mean decked, I mean I need it to float, uh, which which can be a little problematic. But once I tried and then from there, I you know, I bought a I, I bought a Novo earlier this year. I actually placed the order last year, bought direct from Novo, and the mastery that that's in that. It's like why does anyone get a different vibrato? The jet that vibrato, that offset vibrato is the perfect vibrato. I, I, I'm gonna need you to cut that part and <laughs> and send it to Tia. We
1: filmed an episode the other day, and and I was like, you know, I was like in the middle of it, I was like, yeah, I'm a little bougie. I got used to the mastery vibrato, so this vibrato. And she was like, well, I'm not.
0: And I'm like, I was
1: like, I was
0: like, look, but that mastery vibrato is a piece of freaking art on its own. It it's yeah. I, I don't it's know. It's So smooth. Yeah, like. But oh man, no, I've I'm got, sorry. I cut you off. No, no, please do. So, so this is uh, for those of you on YouTube. This is my Novo. I love this guitar, and and this is the mastery that we're talking about. And I have tuned this. I I have had rehearsals every weekend for the last month, and I play this guitar as my primary guitar, sitting in the studio here. Um, I have tuned this guitar once in three and a half weeks. And it is in tune. As much as I use the vibrato arm, pull up, push down, dive bomb it, it's in tune. I I rarely have to tune this guitar. I cannot say that about any other vibrato. I've had Floyd Roses. I've had Decked Strats. I've had, you know, Bigsby's. We not even talk about Bigsby's. I love the Bigsby. (laughs) But sometimes I just like flawed things.
1: (laughs) See, no, 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 no. That's fine. Because, like, see, I've had um both good and bad experiences with the jazz master vibrato like the cheaper squire ones and i'm and i don't say this is a dig at squire because i love squire sure. and a lot of my guitars are squire wow i just sound like the guy one of my friends are black but um <laughs> but no like it's just like y- you you take for granted the uh vibrato assembly until so you start playing with different ones and you find the one that you like and then trying to go back to another one, it's like, Oh man, this does not feel right. This feels like, um, like on the guitar we reviewed, that was, that was my negative. I was just like the vibrato, like, I don't like these. Um, but,
0: Oh man. Yeah. So yeah, you jumped on the jazz master game. Yeah, late, like I, I way late, like I'd been playing. So in 2018, I've been playing guitar for 19 years before I got a jazz master. And, oh, wow. and so I got, I've got, now that I've got that classic player, it's one of these back here. I, I don't know which, um, without looking behind me. Um, I'm at a, I'm at a crossroads with that guitar. Now, now that I've had the mastery vibrato, I'm like, okay, I I need to either sell this guitar, which I've listed it for sale a couple of times and then backed out of it every time. Um, or I need to upgrade the vibrato on that guitar because and that's not a, that's not a small investment. The mastery's not cheap. No, it's not. That's, I know, especially it's not. if
1: you upgrade the bridge as well.
0: Oh, yeah. $400. I know. I know, which is, you know, that's like half the price of the guitar right there. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> do I do I go this far? Do I really And and I oh, mean, and do changing out the bridge on the Classic Player is not fun either because you have to pull the the ferrules out cuz it's got the Tune-O-Matic in there and it doesn't have yeah. the the standard Jazzmaster bridge, so it's a it's an ordeal. It's a it's a whole thing. Yeah. It's it's not fun. No. But I mean, I don't know to sort of
1: to sort of add to that. Like um, it's funny because I, I would say I was late but early to the Jazzmaster Master game because um growing up, I was always a huge incubus fan. And um Mike Einzinger was one of my biggest influences growing up. And I remember when he switched from PRS defender initially in like oh three, oh four, and he was playing a jazz master. And I was like, man, that guitar is so cool. <laughs> I want one. I want one. Like, you know, I want to get one. And, but I couldn't afford it. So yeah. it was just like, you know. And then um, Squire, a few years after, came out with the first vintage modified before the J masks. It was the butterscotch one. And it didn't have the proper uh, vibrato assembly. Um, it didn't have a vibrato assembly at all. It just had the um, like Dan Electro style bridge. Oh. And, Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was a cool guitar. I think it was one of the best. It was the first time that I'd seen a maple neck on a jazz master and the color combination of it being butterscotch with a black guard, was just I was like, man, this is awesome. And, um, and I played it and I loved it. And then I was like, all right, I'm, I'm into a jazz master. And then, um, I want to say it was either the black top or no, it wasn't class. It was, it was like, it was the classic play. no it was a it was a made in japan jaguar and i got one of those from this first music store i worked at and i got it for like 300 and i just remember playing around with the vibrato assembly and just like trying to like do like uh, my bloody valentine type stuff and just be like i love this i love this so much and and then i was like but man i love the sound of the jazz master So you know, I waited a couple years until I could afford you know the a Jazzmaster with that vibrato assembly, and I have never looked back since. Like um, the Jazzmaster has been like my main guitar, Um, and it's to me it does everything that I needed to do. Yeah. Um, For a little bit, when uh, my friend my friend Chris Lent, um, ungodly good drummer, um, and I just saw him play the other night, and I was like this dude is beating the hell out of this kit. And, but I remember we were trying to like, uh, well, not trying. We did write some heavy stuff. And I remember getting a J Jay Mascus at the time, like the first time. Uh, and, and it was, and when, when I say, I don't mean the Squire. Yeah. I mean, the J Maskus, like the, the made in Japan. And I remember like tuning it down to drop B and my guitar tech at the time being like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I was like, no, I, I know what I'm doing, and it handled it like a champ. Wow! And it was, it was, yeah, it, it was, it was fun. It was just like ever since then, like I love the, I love the neck on the master. I love the scale length. Um, that's what I, well, that's what I mean when I say I refer refer to the neck. It's more so I love the scale length. Yeah, yeah. I love the sound. I love the bobbins, and um, I mean, I love the not the bobbins because I was thinking of the the P90 what you said earlier yeah, about yeah. the classic player and I was like oh they're, they're, you know they just have different pole position in the bottom. but um yeah so I've been hooked ever since I mean jazz master to me is the perfect instrument and when when I found out that Tia loved the jazz master as well I was like we're going to be best friends <laughs> and and it's like here we are hosting a youtube show together so <laughs> um, so jazz
0: master here's the controversial rhythm circuit or no rhythm circuit um uh,
1: you know
0: I, okay this is the so, fight this is the fight <laughs> not with and, me and i don't know people like this i'm so okay with either one just so we're, we're gonna be friends uh, that, no matter what you say like uh, i think a lot
1: of people assume that i'm a vintage purist and i'm not um like i've said in a couple of our reviews um i'm okay with fender doing away with like the vibrato assembly and the rhythm circuit to kind of give like a new take on the jazz master because I understand they're for people like when they make like the American Performer for instance, right? That one gets a lot of flack online. Like I, I don't see, I don't see a lot of people yeah. in the forums like singing it praises. And it, and then I also don't think a lot of them have played it because I was like I own one and then, and I'm like I bought it with the intention of just doing this review and returning it, but I ended up loving it and I was just like this thing is awesome. Like I love, I loved it a lot more than the ultra and
0: that's saying and something.
1: Like, yeah. You know, but, it sounds a lot better than the ultra and,
0: and those ultras are serious guitars. I, I, yeah,
1: no, they, they, they're, and it's just like, but at the same time, like I get it. Like it's not a traditional jazz master. And I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. However, on the other hand, I have a parts caster where the pickups and the electronics are from a 64 that i or 67 that i had um and the neck is from a troy van Owen L- L- and it's mastery everything um so it's just like you know and that's my that's my number one so i, I kind of ride both sides of it like it really just depends on the jazz master like um i haven't played too many of the uh recent uh player series jazz masters mm-hmm. with the humbuckers um, oh yeah. The couple that I played, I'm, I'm not gonna. I've I've kind of been dismissive of only because the setups on them in the store that they were at wasn't that great. But then um, I went to another local store and they had a FSR version that looked like the uh, Elvis Costello, which I'm jealous of Emily because she has she one. She has now. one now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so jealous. Um, but you know, I, I played that and. And they had it set up and I was just like, okay, this is cool. I was like, I would change the humbuckers, but it's cool. Right. Um, And then for a little bit, the much coveted uh, Squire baritone jazz master, uh, which I recently sold and I hate myself for doing that, but life happens. Sure. Um, it though, like I can appreciate every jazz master. I, I, um, I can appreciate something about every jazz master and that's kind of how I approach it. I, don't think there's a wrong or right way like you have the whole vintage purists who are like well if it doesn't have a rhythm circuit it doesn't have the vibrato it's not a jazz master and i'm like well fender made it and if they say it's a jazz master (laughs) it's a jazz master so you know it's a good point that's a that's a good point so yeah, it's like so i mean i could appreciate everything i think like like i said to me the jazz master is my favorite guitar and i would be i would be lying if I you know if I said that and I couldn't appreciate the uh, the different variants of the Jazz Master, it's like saying, "Hey, Tellys are my favorite,
0: but screw a Thin Line." Like to right. me, it's just like it makes no sense. Like, yeah. or oh, if like, it's I got love, a if I it's got a sh- humbucker in the bridge, it's not a Telecaster. Yeah, uh, like,
1: yeah. I, I don't I don't get those people because it's just like, oh yeah, well, what about you know? It's like. Well, if it says whatever it says on the headstock, that's what I'm going with. That's exactly so, right.
0: I, I'm actually a big so, fan of humbucker in the the neck posi- position for a Telecaster. I I love that see, sound.
1: You you know what? For a little bit, I wasn't really until I played. Uh, yeah, until I played the Squire um, John Five, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Holy crap! This is amazing!"
0: And for me, it's I the was, um, like, I was, who was it? Oh, it's the um Oh who was uh this is one of those moments where I'm completely losing I wanted to say Jeff Beck and Jeff Beck's known for the strat, but maybe it is Jeff Beck, I'm thinking. Um or maybe it was Keith Richards, but would always swap to that humbucker in the in the neck position. And as someone who spent the first like 15 years of my life using the neck pickup almost exclusively on every guitar I ever played. I love that warm sound of a humbucker in the neck position. And I love telecasters. I, it's not my main guitar anymore, but it, there's something about being able to get that because the, the normal neck position of a telecaster, I think is a, a acquired an acquired taste. It is. Yeah. It's a different sound. Which is funny. Cause I love
1: the neck position on a telecaster. Like, yeah. uh, I just I love it like I don't I don't know how to explain it. it's like I think I'm weird because like I have a hard time um getting along with the bridge on a lot of telecasters and that's what everybody goes to yeah and I'm just like oh I love the neck
0: yeah I for me for a long time for me just in general bridge position on any guitar was really difficult for me to get behind part of it's you know when you're learning guitar. And you're in a room by yourself, and you're not playing with a band. You're you want that low end a little bit to fill in the space. It makes sense. But even when I got to where I was playing with bands, I wanted that rounder sound. I didn't want that ear piercing, you know. Bright. I I wanted my like when I took solos or when I played leads, I didn't want to feel like and sound like they were above the band. I wanted to sound yeah. like it was part of the band. And it's like yeah that's just the way I always looked at it. It's a weird way to look back on and be like, Oh, but now I'm like, Oh, bridge pickups are fine. I love bridge pickups. <laughs> See, it,
1: it depends on the guitar. It, it really does. Because like, um, again, another Squire plug, um, the vintage modified jazz masters when they had the Duncan design pickups. Yeah. Love them. But I hated the bridge. It was, it was just too ice picky and too ear piercing. Like I was just not a fan. And, um, but however, you know, there's certain guitars where it's just like, I can accept it. Like, um, um, on my telly, which I installed a four way, it's just like, man. But you know, going being able to being able to use the bridge on that, I'm like, this sounds amazing. Like, <laughs> but it 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 just depends on the guitar because like, um, I, I don't know. Like it it really just depends because like, I do love the bridge on a strat and um I, I have not played a strat where i was just like all oh, right I, I you know i don't love the you know i don't like the bridge position I don't, you know i can't you know i see myself using it um however on the gibson side of things um very picky like i think the 335 by far gibson's best guitar don't care what anybody says <laughs> uh,
0: they can fight me on that um, I have a different favorite, but it's just for different reasons. It's not, I, I think I, it's their I, most I, versatile I, guitar for sure.
1: Yeah. And it's just like, well, that was the, that was one that I was just like, okay, all three positions sound great. Yep. And, and it's just like, I, I find this guitar useful and it doesn't hurt that I owned a 64 335. So that's kind oh. of my bar for every guitar. So, you know, and that's, a, that's it,
0: unfair. It, that's just
1: not I know, fair. it It's, it <laughs> it's super unfair. And like, I I'm willing to admit that. And, um, but you know, that's, it it is what it is like on that end. Like, I, I think, um, uh, in terms of the bridge pickup, um, yeah, it just depends on the guitar. Yeah.
0: Um, for, uh, with my, with my jazz master, the pickups I've got in it are the Fender 65 pure vintage. I, I, yeah, they're good pickups. Um, but it's a bright guitar. The, the whole one meg capacitor, if we guess we're getting real nerdy. I'm real sorry if you're not into the nerdiness of capacitor or, or or potentiometer capacitance or anything like that, but it's got one meg potentiometers and so it lets a lot of high end through, doesn't roll a lot of it to ground. I'm actually thinking about, and I'll run this by you because this you're, you're a jazz master guy. I'm thinking about so, so. My Novo is my main guitar. Like, it's the mm-hmm. best guitar I've ever played. I, I will preach at their church every Sunday. <laughs> like, this is... They, they are the church that I, I proselytize. The The Novos are... There's something about the necks on them, and they, they're built right, they're light. I mean, this guitar is... It's massive, and it weighs seven pounds. You know what I mean? If it's seven pounds. I mean, it Maybe just under seven. Um, But it... I've been thinking about with with my other with my Jazzmaster, which right now I've got it tuned down to D standard, which I think it sounds really yeah. good in D standard, but it's still a little ice picky uh, in the bridge position. I've been I bought a pick guard for P90s in it, and I made sure that there was a there was it was deep enough that it could take a P90 because you know Jazzmaster pickups are real thin, and I'm thinking about swapping it to P90 three way switch, uh, volume and tone. That's it. And if I do that, that's also by the time I'm done swapping out, I'll spend six hundred dollars in upgrades on a seven hundred dollar <laughs> guitar. You know what I mean? But I mean, I, I, I'm
1: I would buy a cheap like I'm the buy a cheap and upgrade the hell out of it with the with the assumption of that I'm not going to sell it because um, then it's just like you don't get shit back.
0: No. Like, and um, see, that's what would happen is if I if I did all that assuming i'm not gonna sell obviously i haven't sold it yet and even though i've put it up for sale a couple times i backed out every time you know keep the original parts be able to swap it back if you want to you know i wouldn't be changing anything that couldn't be undone that's the beauty of the pick guard and it being deep enough already for for p90s um but i don't know it it for i've, I've backed off it a little bit first of all the cost of a mastery so expensive Um, I guess the only part that might be difficult is when I put in the mastery, if I put in the mastery bridge, may not be able to get the original bridge back on it.
1: I mean, but at the same time, a jazz master with a mastery, typically you can, that's the one mod that I've seen people get more out of. Like, it's like, oh, it has a mastery so I can actually charge extra and like no one's really going to like hassle me about it. Yeah. Um, I would say that's a cool idea. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you know what pickups you like and you know what sound you're going for then go for it um, I I'm all for modding and experimenting and I'm all for chasing the tonal dragon yeah so um, like I, I like I told Tia the other day I was like um, get went, again giving away the review um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm typically I'm a fan of the um, like you I, I'm not a big fan which is weird to say of a super bright jazz master. Yeah. I can work with it, but I prefer um, the era of the Alnico two magnets, which was the 58. Um, Gotcha. I I love the more darker tone of that. Like that, that, that era is my favorite. So I, I, I appreciate the church of Duncan antiquities and I will always preach that, but however, however, they're lower output. So they're not, you know, it's, typical 50s fender sound like you know it's it's not meant to be like super bright and and you know it, it's it's a good pickup set so if, if you're going to go with the p90s from there and try it i would say it's i'd say do it because i mean if you can if you can reverse all of that if need be then
0: yeah there's you know, no good reason anything. not to yeah yeah i may have to do it we'll see if i can't scrounge up some money right now the the funds for gear is it's dry <laughs> it's dry for a little so, bit i uh, this year has been um, gear extravagance, and it, I need to rain it all in for a little bit. I'm actually in the middle of unloading a few things. I've got I've got a couple of things I I want like right now, and I've I've done very good in the last few months about reining it all in. But it's very if something's coming in, some stuff has to go out. Like if some stuff has to leave. You you can't. I, I've keep reached that it.
1: crossroads. Yeah, I've reached that crossroads, too. And it's just like, well, for me, it was just uh, I had a bunch of little stuff on my car add up to a big price tag. So I was like, all right, I got to move some gear around. Um, But at the same time, um, I realized that I'm not a fan of short scale guitars in terms of neck. So got rid of my Mustang, got rid of my Jaguar. And I'm just like, all right, you know, I was like, I've always had an issue with the neck. And I was like, you know. I think as musicians, we just go through this time, like, unless you're like Joe Bonamassa and you just have a museum full of gear. um, (laughs) And the funds to support it. Yeah, and the funds to support it. I think we just all go through, like, our our times where we go, what I call the purge, where it's just like, all right, we're going to purge this, this, and this, and this, this, and this. And, like, for me with guitars, it's easy to do um, because it's like, all right, I don't like this. It's like, like I said, for me, the Jazzmaster, it's the perfect guitar. Right none of my jazz masters are going anywhere. Um, and, and it's funny because like, for me, I think, um, also being a big pedal guy, I'm just like, if it's not on my board, then it's, you know, if it's not on my board and it's not my iridium, then, uh, it's up for grabs. Like, you know, it's, it's on the, it's all, it's perpetually on the chopping block. And, um, only because I use the iridium as like my amps in for recording demos and stuff. That makes sense. It's a tool.
0: Um, it's it's not a pedal. Yeah. It's a tool that you need. Yeah. So exactly,
1: Ex- exactly. So I mean, I think we all go through um, like our phase of extravagance, and then it's just like, oh man. Um, I I guess the way thing it because like the other day I took uh, took my gear and when I was selling it, and there and like a couple of my coworkers were like Jason, why are you selling it? I was like, because I like money. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I like money. I like having money. And I was like, I like money more than I like a Mustang and a Jaguar. So
0: makes sense. And,
1: you know, yeah. And they were like, oh, okay. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, I think we're all like we all find the area in the gear. Like I know a lot of like Xander. He's a huge gear nut. Like he's he he has like where we film the show. It's his
0: basement. And a lot of that (laughs) is his gear. Wow. Like um, that, that amp wall behind y'all is impressive. Yeah.
1: Yes, and he just, he just ordered, um, a RockerVerb, a Mark 1 RockerVerb combo, and it's just like, that dude is oranged out. He is, that's, that's,
0: that's an impressive array of orange amps, and orange style amps. Yeah, but it's just like, you know, he's found his, he's
1: found his, like, his area of what he likes, and I think that's cool, because it's just like, for me, um, I know I'm more so into pedals. Like I know, which, like I said, I know which guitar I like. Right. I know why I like that, but I'm more so into the collecting pedals and like, um, because the way I explained it to you, which is funny again, because Xander has a crap ton of pedals as well, but he's not really a big pedal guy. Right. Um, he likes a lot of dry pedals and I'm on the opposite end where I'm like, I like a lot of reverb pedals and like, um, I've oh yeah, I've seen your
0: board. I've seen your board. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've had this discussion with, um, with a couple of customers and I was like, here's the thing. I love pedals, I love collecting pedals and I love everything about pedals. However, the reason why Reverb will always be my favorite, it's because it's the one pedal where people are exploring new algorithms and new sounds, whereas everything else is mimicking a sound from something else. Like, yeah. um, like you know, drives, there are certain types, either it's a clone copy or you know tube screamer copy some kind of copy you know and choruses we have our favorites and you know that's why if you notice like well, a lot of people ask like well, what you know you know you're a big striving fan you're a big you know chase bliss fan you're a big you know old blood noise i was like yeah because they all do something different like yeah. they do something that you know is new for lack of better term and um and you know that's not to say there's nothing wrong with that uh, you know, with the other side of that, like, um, like I think in the case of drives, like, um, funny story. T and I, like, when we started this channel, we were not, re- we like, it's not like we intentionally stayed away from drive pedals. Yeah, we just weren't the biggest fan. Sure. So, um, we got sent a bunch of different drive pedals to check out, and we fell in love with them. Like, um, like uh, we recently filmed the review for the Benson preamp and the 1981. And those are two of the best drives that I've heard in my life. That um, Benson I'm preamp.
0: Like, you- I had one for a little bit on my board, actually for a good mm-hmm. while. And the only reason I moved it, uh, moved on, it was not that I did not still love it, but I, I had a couple of other things doing similar things. Um, even mm-hmm. though, I don't know, that thing is something special, but I had also never owned a Timmy and the, everybody talks Ooh. about that circuit and someone uh, offered me a trade for a V2 Timmy for my Benson. And so I made the trade and I've, I've still got the Timmy it's on, it's on a board right down here. And that's one of those pedals won't be going anywhere. It's not going to go. And
1: that's, and that's the thing. Like for me, that's how I feel about the 1981. Um, Cause when I, like, I was like, all right, is it worth the hype? Like, you know, everybody's hyped this up. And then I was like, Oh, they it's have. supposed to be this. Yeah. it's like, and then I played it and I was like, Oh, this is not a rat. Like this, I was like oh yeah it's just a, you know you know it's like because I like, like i told xander i was like i'm not the biggest fan of rap titles Me either. i was like i don't know what i'm doing with this 1981 but i played it and i was just like this thing is so musical i can use this in almost anything that i do and and like i remember the first time in band practice that i used it and keep in mind at the time our bassist was playing through the pa so <laughs> i was pretty much above him in yeah. volume And I just remember, like, you know, just turning around and just being like, this is like, like, I I remember my tone, like, everybody complimenting my tone on the song we were practicing. Um, Well, not everybody, just my drummer and, like, the other guitarists. And um, he he liked that sound so much that, which was, the other guitarist is Justin. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he he liked that sound so much, he went out and bought a nineteen eighty.
0: Yeah. And, um...
1: But yeah, you just find pedals like that that you just like. I want to play a Timmy. Like uh, I, uh, if 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 you're listening and you feel generous, <laughs> hook me up with a link. Yeah, that is very cheap, uh, because I right now
0: am still paying off this car expense. So no, fill that. Actually, it's funny, we talked about this, and uh, we're we're actually approaching time, and we're going to wrap this up and go over and continue this conversation. We'll just pick up where we are on the Patreon episode of the podcast, so uh, those of you that are listening that want to hear the rest of us completely nerding out about pedals, uh, that's going to continue over on the Patreon episode. We're going to talk about drives, we're going to talk about um, the, uh, the... what I call the accumulation and purge phases. I think it's a, it's a, it's definitely a whole like tide thing. It's like, it comes in, then it goes out and then that's how you find what you love. But, yes. um, it is, uh, we actually were originally going to try to do this episode in person. Uh, haven't been able to get away cause you're obviously over in Atlanta. I'm in Mississippi. We're not that far apart. Uh, what we ought to do, we ought to find a day, a day, a weekend, or I pack up some of the gear I've got, bring it over and we just set up and have a crazy day of going through everything we've all got. Cause I've got some stuff that I I'd like you to try out. Um, dude, so I would
1: be all about that.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, it's yo. It, so this
1: is funny. You see, cause uh, thank you. Cause, um, <laughs> like, no, like, like, yep. like, cause, um, T and I, cause like we've, we've gotten a few questions about doing a rig rundown type thing. And I was like, I don't really want i was like i kind of think at our level that's kind of pretentious like like yeah like people really want to see our rig like they don't really know who we are (laughs) um and it's just like you know to me it's kind of cringe level but i told her i was like if we do it we have to think of a different way and i think you just hit the nail on the head like hey you bring your rig i bring mine she brings hers Xander we just go to Xander since he's not moving his right yeah his ain't
0: going anywhere yeah his ain't going anywhere and we all just like we try out each other's rigs yeah and I because I've got I've got gear that like um, and and last because I want to save some for the uh, episode where you're talking about your amp sim thing I, I use a HX stomp for that same thing and right now I'm uh-huh. trying to sell my HX stomp because to be honest I've gotten to a point now where I, I like amps I love having all those options and that's great but I'm at a point now where now that the Boss IR-200 is out, I feel like that that's way more what I need for like those times when I need to go direct than like mm-hmm. the power of the HX Stomp. Because I have got, you know, I've got, I've got a 2-Rock. I've talked about it on the podcast before. I've got a 2-Rock traditional clean. That's that superpower fender sound. I've got a divided by 13 uh, AMW-39, which is the that whole Marshall Plexi thing. Uh, I do have an AC30 that is technically for sale. I wanna, I want to get a. It's a combo. Yeah, you, you work in a music store. You've picked up an AC30 before. Yeah, they're I, not, they're, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've hurt my back because of that. Yeah, I don't want to do it anymore. So I want, I want, I want that flavor amp, but in a head. I, I want a head and cab situation, and not a full combo situation. Some people, some people are like, "Oh, then you got to carry two things." Yeah, two lighter things. <laughs> then yeah, if you
1: ever put an AC30 in a road case and then tried to carry that, oh my, I.
0: I have I have a two by twelve road case that I've put it in, and it's like it is the one of the worst experiences ever. I'll go back Man. to my rack full of PVCs eight hundred uh, PA gear before I'll do that. it's. It's uh, so dude, heavy. I, I had a twin for a
1: while, and what I would do is, um, I would take it out of the road case because, like, we practice in my basement, and I would go up up the stairs with the with the road case by itself, and then with the amp by itself. Because like together <laughs> was just too much.
0: Yeah. It's just, I, I, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a lot of weight. It's a lot of amp. I love the AC 30 sound. I love that sound. And so I want that in my, to me, that's the trio of amps. That's, that's what I need. I need a strong fender flavor. I need a Marshall flavor and I need an AC 30 flavor. And, and once, once I'm good there, I, I don't need the 4 million amps that are in the HX stomp. Uh, so I'm going to go that route, but yeah, I could bring, you know, the two rock and the divided by 13 and we could, you know, try out all these different amps. Um, and of course Xander's got all his oranges and I am very, very not well-versed in orange amps. I've owned one orange. He amp.
1: Will, he will school you in the world of orange. <laughs> like, um, the one, there was one orange that he got recently, like a limited edition, eighty thirty. And I didn't know it was limited edition, and, like, we just used it, and I was just like, holy crap, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, Because, like, uh, he's he's probably going to hate me for saying this uh, or wording this um, because we used to use his Rocker 30, and I wasn't the big fan of the Rocker 30, like, only because I like an amp to have, which is funny because the amp that I have now doesn't have reverb, but I like for it to have a little bit of reverb. Yeah. But it was like, that, that's gone out the window because I was like, well, I was like, I have this match list, and I'm like, it's a matchless, so I don't care.
0: Yeah, matchless. It's, that's it's going to sound good. Yep, absolutely. And does does your matchless have a an effects loop? No, no, no effects. No. It's the Nighthawk 15 combo. That's and interesting. It's loud. <laughs> yeah,
1: it is. It's loud. Like I, I, yeah. Like I thought. Like for a 15 watt amp, like I'm looking over. I'm like I'm here looking at like you motherfucker. Like you, <laughs> like. Like It's just like, yeah, it's, it's loud. Yeah. It, it gets, it's way louder than I thought an amp. Uh, it's, it's the loudest 15 watt amp I've ever heard.
0: I, and, and it probably stays cleaner than you expected it to.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It stays super clean at like, it has more headroom than I thought it would. Cause uh, my friend Steven, he, he has a DC 30 and um I hate your was friend, like, oh I hate yeah, your friend Steven. Just... I hate your <laughs> friend Steven. Oh, you, wait till you see his gear. His gear is just <laughs> yeah. He's he's one of those guys. Like he has gear, and it's just like everything he has is good.
0: I had a um, uh, a Jackson Ampworks Newcastle eighteen. So a little head volume and tone. That's it. No reverb. No effects loop. No nothing. And I played it through a one twelve. His it's through the the Jackson Ampworks... One by twelve that has the port dual ported cab. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, the best it is the best one twelve cab on the market. I don't care what anybody says. Oh. I've not played a one twelve cab that sounded that big. Um, but eighteen watts. I was like, oh, you know, this is like less than a deluxe reverb. And I've played lots of deluxe reverbs where I'm breaking them up by like four, and like, you know what I mean. I okay. could. I had to turn that thing up to ten to get it to break up. It was so clean through most of the most of that amp's uh, travel in the volume that I was like, "This doesn't make this breaks everything I know about low wattage tube amps. Like this should be breaking." I had a um, I had a a Victoria um, Tweed Deluxe. They're they're twenty one twelve, and that thing would break up at like three and a half. You know, and that that's that amp's 12, 14 watts somewhere in that realm. It's and so yeah. everybody's like, oh, well, low wattage breaks up earlier. Yeah, you need to back up because that, that statement does well, yeah, not it, hold water all the time. No. No. Like, I remember when I had
1: um, an OR 15 um, and I was just like, oh, you know, this, this, and this, you know, but that thing broke up. Like, if I turned it at one, it was, you know, <laughs> it was like dirty. It, it, yeah, it was dirty. Like, that that amp stayed dirty. And I was just like, all right, low wattage amps, you know, I can't do that. And then I remember getting, um, I remember getting a, a Princeton and trying it for band practice, which was a horrible mistake, because we're a loud-ass band. And I was like, this thing is like, the speaker's farting out and like, yep. it's just not holding together. <coughs> and I'm like, yeah, that was a bad mistake. And then um, I got the, I got a Deluxe, and I was like, I don't know, you know, this is gonna, and the Deluxe was fine. Yeah, Deluxe was fine. It was, it was fine. And then uh, Jeff Bakos, the great and famous Jeff Bakos, like, amp modder amp repair guy extraordinaire um he because i want to say yeah because uh mine shipped with six v6s and and i think the mo- the cool mod that he did was a 6l6 so it gave it so it took it yeah. from um so it gave it a little bit more wattage and a little bit more headroom but
0: damn it sounded great and yeah. i was like that thing stayed clean yeah, and that's the trick, and that's where I like amps to be. Um, even the divided by thirteen, which the the cool thing about that amp is the way that um, he designed those is that um, Fred over at divided by thirteen, uh, it there's there is an effects loop. He does not like effects loops. He he put this in begrudgingly in these these amps, but <laughs> I do use it. I I have a reverb pedal in that effects loop because you you will understand. I have a base level of reverb. Like there's never a time I don't have reverb. There's never ever a time, and then I'll add reverb on top of that if I want. <laughs> but there's a- oh, no, I understand. Yeah.
1: That's that's my trick. I yeah. don't like blending different reverb. I like stacking reverbs.
0: Yeah. So I understand. <laughs> so, but the cool thing about that amp is through the tr- it's it's a plexi, and I had I've had a I didn't have a plexi. I had a seventy one, uh, which was aluminum face plate, but still the same circuit. I had a seventy one super bass, hundred watts. And the tone stack on that was basically for show. <laughs> like like one to ten on the tone control didn't really even the it was a three three band uh triple mids highs or triple mids lows i you just crank them to ten. you really do you just turn them to ten because that's the only way you're going to get the gain that you want and it's not even high gain um but that's the only way, way they do anything. The only way you get any uh, real tone difference is when you jumper the channels and use the volumes to get a little more trouble or a little more low end and uh, kind of like the, like the Vox trip uh, trick, like you know, where you can just jump the channels and get that top boost. Yeah. Coming in. Yeah. That's exactly. So you can do that in this amp because it's got actual usable tone circuit and the, it's got, it's got a very good master volume. So you can crank the master volume and just use the, the preamp volume and treat it like a ma- like a no master volume amp, or you can dial the master volume back, and it gets into like JCM 800 territory as you crank that oh. volume up. So you can do the plexi thing, it can do the JCM 800 thing, and it's such a cool amp. I
1: see. I, I want to get a, I want to get like a I want to get a blues breaker Marshall. Um, just if I could like just just when I'm older and I can just I have the disposable income and I'm just like you know because I don't see myself getting married. Um, because she's probably going to be like, oh, well, if she ever asked me to choose between her or the gear, I'm like, get out. Um, well, I'm going to miss her. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to miss you. But it was like, I'm not giving up the Jazz Masters. Yeah. Uh, But, um, yeah, Marshalls are, um, my, my roommate, bandmate, uh, Mike, he's a big Marshall fan. He had a JMP from the seventies. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the one amp, like he sold. And he has regretted ever since. And it's just like.
0: The 71 the Super Bass. The 71 Super Bass is. There's there's a couple that I'm like. Oh yeah that'd be cool to have back. But the only one I've ever like truly truly regretted. Was that 71 Super Bass. I should have never gotten rid of it. Ever ever ever. And I was actually looking for. I was looking for a blues breaker. When I found this divided by 13. It found me actually. I had something for sale. That by my estimations was worth a good bit less than this amp, and the guy offered me the trade, and so I was like, uh, I'd be an idiot to turn this down. I'd be a complete idiot, Um, but it just is what it is. Well, let's wrap up. We went on another, like, 15 minutes after I said we're going <laughs> to wrap up. So who knows what's going to happen in the Patreon episode. Y'all, I really appreciate y'all listening. I really appreciate y'all sticking around, watching this video if you're watching on on YouTube. I appreciate you holding out uh, for, for the nerding out, uh, the guitar nerdery, as Joe Branton over at the Guitar Nerds likes to say. Um, uh, Jason, I really appreciate you taking time, hanging out with me. We're going to hang out some more. Uh, yes. And, yes, uh, we've got
1: to hang out more.
0: Yes, we got to hang out more, and and we've got to get together, and we'll 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 film some content at some point. That'll be really a fun time. Um, yes, but in the meantime, for the main episode, I want y'all to do me a favor. Y'all be good to yourselves, be kind to each other, and pick up a guitar and make some noise. Peace. This episode is brought to you by the supporters of 40 Watt Podcast over on Patreon. Go over to patreon.com slash 40 Watt Podcast, where for as little as $3 per month, you can help support the podcast and get every episode ad-free. For $5 a month, you'll get every episode ad-free as well as a bonus episode every week. I can't overstate how thankful I am for the support of my patrons and hope you'll consider joining the team and helping keep this show on the road.